Hi, everyone, and welcome back to, if, if you're coming back or welcome, if it's your first My Livelihood podcast, welcome. We've got Ed here, and we are very lucky to Hello. have a wonderful guest this morning, Chris Moyer. And Chris, Hello. we have known yeah. for a little while. Hey, Chris, great to hey, see Chris. you this morning. And lovely to see you looking so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed um, because you're a new dad. I know. very cool. Although <laughs> I, I can sort of... In a way, it's even if I am bright-eyed, which I am, um, I've just got this genetic thing where my eyes are always dark underneath. Um, <laughs> it's just one of those things. So I sort of look sometimes perpetually tired anyway. But um, as we just spoke about before we came on air, uh, he's luckily a pretty good baby at night, which is which is good. So awesome. um, Fantastic. ready to go. Fantastic. So, so I guess, you know, introducing you as a dad is probably the, the utmost of importance, but you also happen to be a customer service expert. So um, Ed and I have known Chris for a little while now. And, and Chris, I know you um, do a lot of speaking and training and facilitating and consulting in the customer experience and customer excellence space. And we'll get you to describe it properly in a moment. But that's, that's what, how we know of you and, and see you around town and even in our you know, environs of Subi. In fact, I was walking down Rockaby Road one day and I saw you being interviewed. So I had to sort of step past quietly. But, you know, you're a bit of a celebrity. Yeah, we've known each other for a few years now. So it's been, um, it's it's really good. It's it's always good to come back and speak to people that you know. And, you know, you may not catch up for a while, but, you know, whenever we do, I think it's great. So Absolutely. um, Awesome. And Chris Chris has been on my other podcast a few years back now. Um, That's great. And, Mate, this is episode number ten of the My Livelihood podcast. So, you are, you are lucky number ten. I know. Actually, I know you're not the tenth person. You're just the tenth episode. But you know, you, you're you're person number eight. And I think in the last right? podcast, I was like number three hundred and fifty or something like that. So, not quite uh, that. Not quite that high, <laughs> but it was it was getting towards the uh, the higher marks. Yeah. But, um, so well, it's great to have you on, mate, and yeah. and catch Moving up because you've had world. some things changing. You've had a few things that have. Uh, uh, been going on and um, you and Lois have been connected with some things you're both doing through thought leaders, which is something we should probably have a ch- chat about because mm-hmm. both of you are involved with that and let people know. And you've also had a bit of a transition across to uh, from your website to a new website. And we'll talk about that. And by the time this goes live, hopefully that should all be live as well. <laughs> fingers, crossed. fingers crossed. <laughs> Um, well, so, I think yeah. today, this is a good motivational tool. So, um, you know, we're, we're live, we're setting um, a, a promise. So uh, I've got to deliver by the date it goes live. Yep. Yep. Fantastic. Well, that's going to be this afternoon as soon as we finish recording. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> only kidding. Put the pressure on. <laughs> don't so, don't Chris, panic. We'd love, we'd love to know more about um, customer service transformation. I love that. When I looked on your LinkedIn, you know, I love that um, notion of that because a lot of people sort of have different um, preconceptions, I guess, of customer service. But yeah, we'd love to know more about, I guess, that, but also... You know, I think Ed's going to ask you some probing questions around your past as well and how you got to where you've been. Yeah, we always (laughs) want to have a history about where people came from. You don't have to go right back to when you were born, but why not? We can, you know, we can go back that far if you like. Well, Uh, but yeah, it's a good way to start, really. Yeah. Give give us your history. Give us your history. Well, look, I I always go back to when I was young, and I think um, it's one of those things. I I have these vivid memories. I was always dragged out to visit people with my parents. And I hate, well, when I say hate, uh, I spent a lot of time, you know, sitting there while my mum and dad were yapping to other 
older people typically, and I mean old, and my dad loved history, genealogy. He would always go see with Croatians. So we'd see a lot of um, old timers from the old country who came to Australia. And as a kid, I was always complimented on by old people at, I should always be careful saying old people, but I was always complimented on the way I could speak with grown-ups. And often I would be in a setting where I'd be four, five, six years old and there'd be other grown-ups around the table and I would just contribute to the discussion. Now, look, I'm not going to talk about the war or, you know, business or anything, but I would have conversations. And, and, and relating to people, firstly, that were not always my age was something that I, I grew up with um, as a child. I mean, as a real child. So then when I started work, when I was 14, I, I just had this, and I'm, and I'm happy to say it, this, this natural ability to, to interact well with people um, yep. and, and serve. Um, and then obviously, as, as I, I furthered my career, I was really passionate. I actually wanted to become a school teacher. And I was actually studying to become a high school teacher um, in, and be a geography and politics teacher. And the job that I had at the time was it was in retail and they needed someone to do some, um, that the company had been bought out and they were um, giving a new sort of training program to bring everyone up to speed. And there was about 500 staff. And uh, for some reason I was selected. So they thought, you know, I'd be great at doing it. So I started delivering this training and um, that coincidentally happened during the uni holidays. And then I said to my boss or my new boss, I said, look, I'm, I'm going to go back to uni now. And the boss goes, well, it's either us or them because we kind of want this to happen more full time. So I was faced with a, a massive crossroad career decision. And I decided that I dropped the education component and just do the arts degree. And I know Lois wants to ask about that yes, later, I do. but just do the arts degree and, and all the classes were at night anyway. So I worked full time delivering training and did my arts degree. So the four year degree turned into a three year degree. And, and then when I, when I finished the, the arts degree, I had to do my, in those four, I think it still is the case, the diploma of education, you know, the, the dip yep. to get that teaching component. Yep. But I decided, I thought, hang on a second, I'm really loving, you know, teaching adults and, by the way, adults can sometimes behave like school children anyway. So you oh, get yeah. the best of both worlds. So at that point, I specialised in a diploma of tertiary and adult education. Um, and uh, it's not offered at many universities, uh, but a few around the country. Um, and then got into the role of sort of training and development, working in learning and development functions. And I guess then my, as my career took off and I was you know, happy to work in, 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 a, in a training role in companies like Maya uh, and Qantas um, and working for some larger companies in training and development, my often favourite program or favourite course was customer service. So I guess moving from being good at customer service to delivering customer service training, but also then when I moved into some leadership roles, working with managers and seeing, I guess, how important the manager is in customer service and customer service delivery, mm -hmm. but also understanding that when you're in learning and development, you, you, there's this huge focus on return on investment. And I, and I know that's a, it's a bit of a cliche word, but, but just to, to finalize sort of before I wrap it up, I guess um, a lot of training just doesn't work. And uh, you've probably been to programs and some of your guests would have been on, the, on programs where they think oh, that was a waste of time. So there was this huge focus um, on, well, how can I de develop, you know, a, a program that's really going to make change? 
And I know Lois is going to ask also about another um, course that I'd studied, so I'll let her introduce it in a second. But I did some, some work internationally on customer service and I sort of started to discover a, a, a process or a way forward with customer service training that actually works. Uh, and I tested it out in one of my jobs and it did work. And I thought I would love to just go out on my own and share the love as much as I can to everybody else. And that's where I'm at now, uh, taking what I've learned and delivering it. Uh, and, and as Lois, you did say the, the word transformation, it, it, it works when yes. we embed this in organisations. So that's Absolutely. where I am now. That's fantastic, Chris. And I love that you wanted to be a teacher and then you are a teacher. It's just, mm. you know, in different realms, you know, whether you're coaching, consulting, mentoring, facilitating, whatever it is, you, you know, you're helping people be a better version of themselves in, in whatever way. And I think what's great about that as well, though, for, for a lot of the people on on the um, listening to the podcast or whether they're watching or listening to it is um, the fact that, you know, some people want to do that in their business. Some people want to do that as a self-employed person um, in different realms and others are trying to do that, you know, out, we're just making their way in the world. Mm. So I love that. And um, yeah, you know, when I saw the arts degree, I was like, aha, you know, you, <laughs> um, yeah, you, you, you sort of um, pivoted a little bit once you've realized what you wanted to do, which is fantastic. But what, you know, do you, are you grateful for that arts background? Well, okay, uh, yes. Um, so I, uh, well, the degree I wanted to do was, well, I wanted to be a geography and politics teacher. Yes. Um, politics was more just a, a second major. Um, I, I am interested in it, but my main passion was geography. And I love everything from, you know, um, you know how mountain ranges are formed, how weather forms, uh, you know, plate tectonics. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the guy with my wife when we're driving and I say, oh, that mountain range was formed by this or you know <laughs> that's the, you know whatever it is and, and and i just loved that and i was just just really good at it and even even mm. mapping and sort of where demographics demographics spread and i just love that so I, I was following something that i was really really interested in and i still very much am yes. um fascinated about it but i guess i i think i know what you sort of what you're really asking if i think about well what did i learn from an arts degree in general um, and i know universities are a very different beast but um, I think if you take away what you learn in an arts degree you learn um, how to research you learn how to write you learn how to analyze uh, you learn how to present um, you learn you know even if it's just your commitment of getting out of bed and going to uni when you're 18 years of age you, you, you learn that too so I guess some of the the more life skills that you pick up out of an arts degree yeah, absolutely. Um, that's that's I think what what I, I really take away from it. And oh, back when I was was eighteen, you know, I hated doing my assignments and and stuff. But what's really fascinating is I remember, you know, you would you would have a a, a two thousand word essay, and you would get it at the start of the semester, and you would procrastinate on it, <laughs> uh, and you'd be like, "What the hell?" And it would just it, it would be this burden over your head. Um, I can write a 2,000 word article or blog yes. in, 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 in an evening, you know, 15 minutes between programs. And <laughs> it's, it, it kind of then die, comes down to, you know, do you, do you know what you're talking about? Do you love it? Exactly. Uh, are you in flow? And I, I kind of sometimes wish that I could go back and redo my arts degree now and you know, 
embed myself in that campus life and just gun my essays because, you know, I didn't do it back then, but I'm doing it now. Yeah, brilliant. It's all grown and um, you've grown on it over time, mm. which is brilliant. I love that. And um, I was thinking actually when you said about mapping, I was thinking of a bit more theoretically. And, and I know in your office there, you've got a massive, massive whiteboard at the opposite side of where we that can see. That might be right. You know, <laughs> uh, you always hear about how people think. Um, and I, I, to be honest, do love um, models and yes. um I love sort of being able to draw things and, and stuff. I'm, I, I guess I am very, very big picture in a way. So mm-hmm. um, really? who knows that might have been sort of some ability that was hidden there. Yeah, um, that's right. Of- and even even with the geography and, and your love of um, travel and, and, and you've been back to Croatia, is that right? You've, yeah, you've yeah. So there, I, yeah I, I, I try and go every couple of years. Uh, as okay. When I said back, back then, my dad uh, was very obsessed in history and, and, and yes. still very much is in his retirement and... Um, I think, you know, it did take me till about the age of 20 to 25 to actually kind of pay attention. But um, now we love it. And uh, look, I hope, to, hope when all of this COVID stuff is over that, you know, my son and, and I and my wife can go back there again. Yeah. And, yeah, it'd be, it'd be good. But no, I do travel quite a bit. That's fantastic. So, I mean, I think that's a connection with you and a lot of other people because as, as um, people in Western Australia, we do love to spread our wings when we're allowed to and travel the world. And I think it's a big connector with people. So it's, it's great that you have that. But I was also think of mapping the customer journey, you know, that whole idea of, you know, ha- ha- those touch points and all of those sorts of oh, things. We should, you should, we should change my title and call myself like a customer service geographer. Uh, <laughs> that like might there be what go. happens. Yeah. There you go. We there might you give go. you a transformation. I'll ask anyone that's going to yield some good SEO. Uh, yeah, stuff, true. Stuff, yeah. Maybe not, but it does. <laughs> doesn't matter as long as it's interesting yeah <laughs> but it's uh, i think customer service because uh, the episode we've had before you've come on chris was uh, with john blake who is a uh, specialized in sales training don't know if you know john another western australian gentleman uh and we were talking about you know there's a there's a whole process involved with doing marketing and then sales and all tied in with that is some type of customer experience and service from the beginning to the end, but it often seems like it's an afterthought. And I know uh, the word often gets bandied around that, you know, uh, businesses are big on customer service, but often what they say doesn't reflect it. So, um, so in terms of how you got involved with customer service, what was your, your first inkling of saying, look, this is something, this is an area I want to get good at and, and start working in. Yeah, so I, uh, what sort of real, I mean, as I said, I, I was always delivering it. And I think um, if I could, if I could be a, a little bit critical to, I think, what the, the common stereotype of service is, is that mm-hmm. a lot of people think, um, to, to be absolutely honest, that if you were to do a customer service course, um, that course would involve smiling, eye contact, hand gestures, and uh, being able to ask open-ended questions. So there you go, done. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, to, to be frank, that's communication. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, communication, especially for people who don't know how to communicate well, it, it's, it's gold. And communication is, of course, an integral component of service. When yeah. you're serving someone, you need to communicate with them, but but eye contact and smiling is not what it means to serve. Um, And I think that was the sort of the first realization that, um, you know, service is something deeper. Um, And I guess what, um, what really got me was um, I was at the time working for uh, those who are listening here in Perth uh, for Adventure World in Vibra Lake. I actually left um, 
Australia's biggest airline, Qantas, uh, to go to uh, Perth's uh, only theme park, uh, Adventure World. And just this transition from, um, and by the way, Qantas are very focused on service, but when you move into a theme park realm, um, theme parks are all about the experience and yes. people go there to have fun. And whilst they've got to be very safe, as when you fly a plane, you've got to be safe, but service is just something that's massive in it. And if you operate yeah. it, and then that's where you look at some of the great organisations in the world. In fact, arguably one of the best organisations for service globally um, is the Walt Disney Company. And which you did your training with, yeah? There, and there we go. We are, that's the <laughs> segway, segway. Segway. But if you look at them, that's what that, that's like the pinnacle for customer service. Now, there's a few others like Ritz-Carlton, Starbucks, you know, there's a few more global, but but that is probably the, the most well-known. So I guess that was my, my sort of starting point to say, well, hang on, you've got what everyone thinks down here as being customer service communication. Then you've got this whole stratosphere up here and that's where I want to play. That's that's what I'm interested in. Brilliant. Yeah. And I guess that's about creating happy memories, isn't it? So it transcends the moment. It's not like you just go, have a good time, go away. You've got some happy snaps. It's actually like living, breathing, remembering, to help telling other people mm. and, and the ripple effect of that. Absolutely. And and this course, um, I, I'm guessing you're going to ask about it. So the, the course that I did was in Orlando and it went, it was at the Disney Institute and I cannot recommend uh, that organisation. If, if anyone out there wants to study um, the, the Disney way, you can study at the Disney Institute and it's just a, a great opportunity. And I remember I was in the, the program with, um, I always felt out of my depth. I was the only one from Australia and there were, you know, people from like one of them is Baxter Healthcare. It's an American oh, yes. brand. Yeah, yep. know it. And the person in there was like the global head of L&D or HR or organizational development. And there were some other massive companies where they had all of these execs in there. And when I say out of place, I felt out of place just because I was working for a theme park, whereas they were all working for these big organizations. But what I loved was is when you know, I'm not saying I was the, the best student. That's not what I mean at all. But when they were talking in the program, I was just falling in love with the content more and more and more. It was so easy for me to relate to, well, well, I've got this service mindset. What are they talking about? What does it translate to? All that sort of stuff. Whereas you've got these execs in massive companies that produce pharmaceuticals, whatever it might be, or produce, you know, sonography machines or what have you. Yeah. And service is so important to them too. And, and they're the ones that are like struggling to, 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 to really get that service has a place. And I guess the course inspired me. I then came home, developed some of my own content, my own thinking about it, tested it. But then now, you know, having seen those other people in, in that room at the Disney Institute and seeing yeah. that service is not just for someone over a counter face to face, it's so much more it's almost like a challenge that I'm trying to, to, to strive for. And it's sort of what I want to do. I'm um, hopefully for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. Fantastic. And what great networks going into that. Was how long was the course? Look, it, it was only a week, um, yeah, but a, a pretty solid week, um, sort of seven days. And it's one of those things, you know, it's, it's an executive education center and uh, you know, they, um, you, you would do your coursework during the day and then you would actually get free tickets to go to the park at night and you'd stay in a Disney hotel. And, yeah. and it, it, look, it was yeah, just, just amazing. And just the way they deliver it, um, uh, seeing sometimes four facilitators sort of do a program mm -hmm. 
at the same time. I thought the craft was just great. Um, you know, even catering. Uh, I know we always love coming to the training and catering, but just the <laughs> yeah. way in which they did it. I've got a photo um, of my graduation certificate with Mickey Mouse as well. Oh, lovely. Uh, so I did get to meet Mickey and, uh, yep, I'm standing next to him with my, you know those um, the mortarboards that they give you? Well, yeah. The yeah. They give you the mortarboards with the ear. Uh, yeah. So, um, cool. yeah, that was really cool. So I know it's going to be tough, Chris, but which is the most proud moment? The mortarboard with um, Mickey and having your graduation there or your arts degree graduation? Oh, um, I think, you know, the arts degree, um, I was actually, well, proud moment, I'd say arts degree, because I remember walking on stage and shaking the vice chancellor's hand and thinking, you know, yeah, this was three years of, uh, of hard work. Hard work because I was so... I, I loved working. I, I, I didn't like uni. I'm happy to yeah. be on camera and say that. So whereas, um, whereas a few years later, and it was probably close to maybe six or seven years after the, the undergraduate degree studying at the Disney Institute, it was seven days, the most fun I've had in my life. I didn't want it to end. So I guess, Fantastic, you know, yeah. but I, I guess now when I, when I come back and, and I am working in the, the training and, and conference space and facilitation um, industry, um, I, I think having seen, I believe, a very elite program in terms of the way it's delivered, um, I think that's, I'm very proud about that now because I know, you know, and I know they've got the budgets and they've practised it, but when I see how that's been delivered and it's fair that I can be, and we all can be critical of going to other training when it doesn't hit the mark. Sure. Um, at least I've got something that I can proudly say, to, to use those words, proudly say that I'm striving um, toward. Absolutely. And I think it's wonderful that you, know, you can create that, a different experience, obviously, but you can create your own content, which I know you're very big on. In mm. fact, we all, I think, met through what was then called National Speakers Association of Australia. So, you know, we're all into content creation and, and experiences and learning always and, and developing and creating. So we're all in you that You know, space. I remember my first um, ever National Speakers at the time meeting, and I'm going to um, give the man a, a plug because uh, he, he changed my life. But I remember my first meeting, I sat next to uh, a gentleman by the name of David Katsukas and oh, he is Dave. just he's a legend he's wonderful fantastic. you know takes we love Dave. But, but what I loved about what was interesting is this first meeting um, I'm talking to Dave and he's, he's just talking with this language that I'd never heard and he was saying words like IP 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 <laughs> and you're like what and, the hell is and that I, and I'm like what the hell is that and it's you know intellectual property and Probably, I'm like yeah. whoa this is a this is a pretty big beast. This this sort of thing. This is this is pretty, um, uh, I guess, overwhelming because P uh, national speakers doesn't doesn't uh, prepare your IP. You've got to do that yourself. And yeah. and when you see all these other people with great IP, it, it's almost. And if you and if you're in a room and you don't get it, it's it's kind of like challenging because you can't break out of like, well, like what is IP? How does it work? How does the industry work with IP? And I'm. I'm so glad, you know, and I hope David is watching, but I'm so glad I sat next to him um, at that meeting because I guess, you know, just at that early point, understanding, you know, truly what it's like to have your own intellectual property and how important it is to not only catalogue it, but come up with it and continually yeah. refine it and all of those sort of things like that. It's it's just just gold. So we'll have to get him on the show, actually. Yeah, we definitely will because... 
David has just been a prolific creator. I think you sat next to the oh. most prolific creator you could. And of course, it's, it's Professional Speakers Australia now, for those of you who are Googling NSAA and can't find it. Um, it's Professional Speakers Australia, which is a, is a great organisation that, that helps um, speakers develop and, um, you know, make, make, make a living, a livelihood from their voice and their IP. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's... Yeah, and there's a lot to learn at those types of uh, places. And you say this, you don't know what you don't know, what you don't know. So, it's, yeah, importance of networking. But um, in the current climate that we've been having, uh, in terms of having uh, the whole COVID-19 stuff going on, isolation, people not being able to go out anywhere near as much, if at all, um, there's been a, a, a lot of stress and strain on businesses and how they conduct and what they do. Have you seen in your time, because, you know, you, I can imagine you're very, very switched on and you probably see this stuff far more than the average person. Have you had some experiences that have been really positive that you've witnessed out there that think this company has got their stuff together and have you seen any opposites to that? Can you have you got any examples? Putting you on the spot here, mate. Yeah, no, not a problem at all. Um, look, it was it, COVID happened. Um, at, luckily, it happened in a, in a bit of a crazy time where uh, we were having a, our first child. So, in a way, um, there was some time that I could sort of take off and and reflect. But it, it, it's disrupted, you know, the traditional industry of, of getting out in front of people and, and speaking in live environments. And I remember the day that, uh, you know, it all happened. It's one of those things you never forget, but the, the day it all happened and I started, um, you know, looking at, you know, your calendar starts to, to dwindle for that, those immediate sort of first few weeks. And and it's it sort of, you ask yourself the question, is is, is this the end um, in terms of, you know, and, and, and when I say that, a lot of people may not think that, but there are some great speakers out there who, who, are, who are futurists. And if you follow them, yeah. They talk about, you know, this, this, this um, potential for your industry to be disrupted. And it's a really yep. important thing that we should always think about. But anyway, so I thought that. I thought, wow, is this, is this the end? Um, but then I paused a little bit and I thought, hang on a second, hang on a second. Um, if anything, customer service or being of service to others in COVID is, yep. is technically more relevant than it ever has been before. In fact, if there's ever a sort of a, a thing for us to ignite, you know, start something on fire and say, you know, trigger some change, it actually is COVID. Now, I don't mean there, there are probably people, who, you know, watching this and I don't want at all to say that that is a great silver lining and, you know, it doesn't come without challenges because, of course, it does. And I didn't want that to come across. But, but when I think about what's happening in business in this day and age, it, it has to be stemming from service. So to, to sort of um, come to your examples, I think I'll give some, uh, let me just give a, a very big example that everyone will relate to and then a small one from myself. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it, uh, firstly, businesses are under scrutiny regardless, but yes. more so during COVID. And yeah. It, it just boils back to the question, is this right? And it doesn't pass the pub test. And, you know, when you see um, businesses like, uh, for instance, um, Centrelink, um, who uh, struggle or Australia Post struggle to cope with demands of, of delivery. And it's funny because Australia Post is actually a delivery business. Um, yeah. They struggle. But then you look at a company like Woolworths who 
in 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 a couple of weeks they double their delivery capacity. So they're they're a supermarket who don't really the deliveries over here, and then all of a sudden they become a delivery supermarket. But then you've got like Australia Post that is a delivery company, but struggle to sort of keep up. And and I and I know that it is is challenging. But even the banks, for instance, I mean, six months ago on the when the Royal Commission, or maybe even twelve months now. If, if I said, to, if you asked me, you know, what do you think of a bank? Um, the, the, the community will give a very different opinion to what they're giving now when we start talking about mortgage freezes and things like that. Now, um, the point is, is that you've got to be empathic or empathetic to, to, to your customers. But it, in, this, in this day and age, it's, it's doing whatever we can and you've got to come from service. Now, the companies that don't and focus on greed or focus on protecting what they've got. Um, but they're the ones that are going to come under a lot more scrutiny and, and yeah. the businesses, you know, like the banks, but even other organizations, um, what they're doing is they're thinking, well, at the end of the day, we've got to serve the customer. So we've got to remove all of the stuff. And I, I know I'm sort of really going quick here, but all of the stuff that would affect getting what the customer wants. And that means a significant reduction in red tape, bureaucracy, approval times, you know, anything that used to be in the way, which is, poor for service, we're yep. actually getting rid of it, which I think is great. Now, yep. the company I just wanted to, to, to mention at, at more of a local level um, that I've had some dealings with is obviously um, when cafes shut, I couldn't go and buy a coffee anymore, you know, my, my local coffee. But this particular shop, well, I mean, it was takeaway only, but we just had a baby. So this coffee shop, I decided they actually roast their own beans. So I would go and buy the, the beans there and take the beans home. Uh-huh. Now, this coffee shop has obviously, you know, reduced in terms of restaurant capacity, the whole reinventing their menu, they put staff off. It's evidently, you know, you walk in as a customer, it is evidently not a good time for them. But I no. go in there and buy two bags of beans, you know, to last me, say, a fortnight, you know, if you don't want to go out as much. And I, I keep on doing that on a regular basis. And then I notice occasionally I'd go in there and buy two bags of beans. And I'd get like a free coffee with it have a coffee while you're waiting or I'd go back and buy two bags of beans and they'd say, look, we just baked some donuts. Take one. Oh, nice. Now, yeah, it's not. And here's the thing. It's not about freebies because well, free, free can get very addictive and it's, 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 it's not that you're out there looking for free, but it's the gesture of giving yes. in those times. Now this cafe, as every cafe would have been, um, would have been, counting the dollar to of the last course. I mean, absolutely critical i can't even imagine i don't know i don't know what i couldn't imagine what it's like but they said you know while you're waiting i'll make you coffee while you're waiting have a donut and that act of generosity i mean look i am no I, i'm not a celebrity but I, I i speak on the media i i do podcasts like this and i've been talking about this place like you wouldn't believe because of that and it's just such a nice gesture to do even though they're under so much pressure. So, you know, those acts of kindness, which is great service, um, that's really, really known during this time. And are you just going to keep us in suspense and not tell us who this cafe is? No, now, look, I know, <laughs> for the, I know you've got a global audience, but, um, you know, we that's all know all right. that you live in Subiaco and, and, and work in Subiaco. And that, the Subiaco is a trendy cafe place, isn't it? But there's right. one, yes. I'm going to get one up. I'm going to compete with you guys here. <laughs> um, I'm referring to the place called Lupo Lab in Mount Hawthorne. 
Um, so not mm-hmm. too far from you guys, but no, um, no, that's cool. it is absolutely um, a, an amazing place to go to and uh, look, if anyone, um, and as I said, I, I always get nervous saying it because it's not that there's no sign up there saying come in and get free stuff. That's not what the point no, is. No. But no, no, that's not the message. The, no, the, the message is this nature of, of just, uh, just kindness and, and respect from, from the people there. And, and um, yeah, I, I cannot recommend them, you know, highly enough because uh, you know, that, that's sort of almost a highlight if I, you know, cause it, you know, we did spend you and Lois and all of us spent a lot of time watching the news and all we saw was Qantas, Virgin, Woolworths, Australia, Post and Coles, Centrelink. There's six, right? Yep, yep. Um, oh, and just restaurants in general. But, you know, to, to really relate it to something that can, that can personally affect you, I think it, it, it's really cool to say you've been part of this and you've seen the generosity that comes through um, COVID. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it has been, say, again, you mentioned it's not a silver lining to this. This really isn't a silver lining, but it is a lot of things have been accelerated that would have taken years to happen and the red tape had to be cleared. So sometimes it takes these huge events to move things forward. And I think it, one of the, the benefits of all of this happening will be those things. Um, if we could you know, go back and not have all things that have happened and have it the way it was, probably most people would say, yes, we'll, we'll do that. But, that's not how it is. So you've got to take some good from all this stuff that's been going on. You've got to find some of the positive stuff that you can actually go, well, this is great. This has happened because of this. Um, yes, all this other crap's going on, but there's something good. So you've got to find some, some good in, in the, the negative. Yeah, good points. Good points, Lo. Over yeah, to you. Well, I wanted to ask about... Um, Chris, actually, before I ask about this, I just I was on your LinkedIn this morning, <laughs> having a bit of a stalk there, and it's funny. Some people don't realise too when you when you do connect with someone on LinkedIn, you know, um, you get a bit of a snapshot quickly of them and and their and what they've written about themselves and things like that. But also, you get the last bit of activity and just something that I thought, oh, that that's that's lovely. That that's Chris because it was like congratulations, name, and then a comment, and then someone else, congratulations, and something else about them, and then it was awesome initiative and their name. And I just thought, you know, even, even back to your earlier point about it, isn't about just about smiling, about being nice to people and all of that, you know, that communication skills. It's like you just have that in spades and then have all of the expertise and the knowledge and the know-how and the thought leadership behind it as well mm-hmm. so that's what I really admire about you Chris and I, I just I thought it was, it was just funny because it wasn't I didn't go looking for it but I saw it and went oh how nice you know you're like you're congratulating others and reaching out and you know just being you and I think that's probably the bit what I heard there was authenticity that the cafe wasn't you know the cafe owners weren't just going oh here we'll look good if we give a free thing Mm. Um, they were just simply doing it because it seemed like the right thing to do. Exactly mm. what you were saying before. So that's awesome. Um, I just for my career hat on. I wanted to talk a little bit about or get your perspective on you know when people are in a work search because we're talking my livelihood and a lot of our listeners are maybe portfolio careerists. So they're doing you know they might have a business mm. and it's maybe smaller or it's bigger or it's and they maybe also work in a contract situation or for an employer. And of course, right at the moment, there's a lot of disruption and people who had something pretty solid going on, suddenly don't have something quite so solid, but they may be transitioning and all of that's going on. So um, 
it was just, it sprung from a conversation I had with a client the other day, actually, she just interviewed and she thought she'd done okay. It's very hard when you say, how did your interview go? It's like, I don't know, but um, she thought it went pretty well. And I just happened to say, well, then did you send a note afterwards? And she said, oh, oh. And, you know, it was the first one and it come up very quickly. And so we hadn't really got, got into that too much prior. But um, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Is that no matter really what interaction it is, um, that there's that element of thinking through a customer service or customer experience lens. Do, so do you have any insights into that sort of thing? Yeah. I mean, well, look, the, the action, uh, firstly, a, a personalised handwritten note mm. is, uh, it can go such a long way. And yeah, so there top. are many people out there that, that, that talk about it and, and it applies to customers or it applies to, well, even internal customers like a job, prospective job applicants um, or, or whatever. Um, the handwritten note goes a long way. Uh, why, you know, I, I don't really know why, but we, we're all used to dealing with emails, uh, you know, letters, bills, um, <laughs> you know, we sort of lose that touch that, that a personal note is is really good. It's from the heart. You've, you've taken the time to do it, especially if it's in a large company where there's executives, you know, that the CEO actually, um, you know, managed to, um, to, to write, you know, something with their own hands. I actually, I have to give another plug, uh, someone who we know in the industry, I've got it right here, um, Suzanne Waldron. She yes, uh, has Suzanne. just published a book. Um, I uh, immediately ordered a copy. It's on its way. Um, but in the mail, I got a handwritten note. You can see it here. It's a handwritten note yep. with just an excerpt of the first page. Oh, how cool. Pages saying, look, here's a quick little note to say hi. Um, and here's the book. That is lovely. Now, here's the key thing. Is, is it the letter? It's, I mean, okay, yeah, the letter itself is great. But what, what the point is and what I think service really is, is, is it, it's about coming up with the idea that that's what we should do. Um, yes. Uh, uh, for, for anyone in the company, not just the CEO, to say, do you know what, I'm going to write a letter because I think that's going to be the right thing to do. Um, that's where it's all at. The, the letter itself, uh, look, I, I'm not saying no credit, but, but to get to a letter, you've got to decide to write the letter, I guess. And yeah, and, and that's what I, um, what I really think for people. To, and, and you know what? Sometimes you don't write a letter. Sometimes, and, that, and this is the thing where um, I'm almost getting sort of fired up, but <laughs> this is the thing that you can't go into a, into a, a room of people wanting to be better at service and, and say, right, get your notepads out. Um, rule number one, write letters. Uh, because it doesn't work like that every time. Uh, sometimes no. you won't write a letter. Sometimes I don't want to receive a letter. Sometimes, and what, you know, it, it's almost like you've got to see the opportunity. And when you recognize that opportunity, that's when you act on it. And in this case, a letter was great. Yeah, so that's, great, that's what it means to serve. It's about yeah. recognizing the opportunity or identifying the opportunity and then you deciding um, what you think is right um, in that instance. Um, Absolutely. I, I ordered, um, oh, I'll, you know, give you a bit of a, 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 a glimpse of my fast food spending habits, but I remember a while ago, <laughs> we ordered um, some Baskin Robbins on Uber Eats. And even oh. on the side of the bag, um, it was like, enjoy, enjoy your ice cream, smiley face, smiley face. <laughs> and again, it's, it's like, so this person and... You know, they, you know, I'm not, I, I guess there's someone who's just in retail, a younger person. This is really nice to see. They've gone and scooped some ice cream, they've chucked it in a bag, closed the bag, and then they've just got a pen or a texture and written on the, on the side of the bag. 
something small like that, you know, you notice it. It's, it's, it's yeah. a great experience. And it's brilliant, isn't it? Do you yeah. think, I mean, look, I want to give international companies a bit of credit, but, but do you think someone at the American Baskin Robbins induction program said write notes on the side of bags? I, I don't think so. I, I, I honestly think it came from a place of, 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 of someone's heart saying that's what I wanted to do in that moment. So. Yeah, and I guess it's how you receive it. So if you felt that, then that then it did the right job, even if it was on a memo. You will do it this way, you know, if, you, if it landed right with you. And I think um, I'd, I've noticed with some of your work, Chris, about personalization and individualization. So around really getting to know your customer really in depth. And look, I know we could talk for five hours on all this stuff, but I think um, <laughs> we, we probably should actually. But um, I, I love, um, you know, The Five Love Languages, which is a great book of itself, you know, relationship for and then there's the five love lang or the five languages of work appreciation or something like that so it's another book that Gary Chapman wrote with an org um, development uh, consultant so almost around well, what does this person want and trying to obviously meet that in some way so I think that's lovely isn't it it's like you were saying if you receive a note that some people like words of encouragement and you know some people love the social media um, environment others don't they'd much prefer a written note so it's kind of getting to know isn't it who, who you're who you're reaching and understanding them and, and that comes through individual interactions learning mm. new customers getting to know them a little bit more but then at the same note and, and i want to just um, add this as well just because sometimes people can we can sometimes get too caught up in amazing stuff but there's these cliched sayings out there and they they make me sort of shiver <laughs> a little bit um <laughs> things like um uh go the extra mile or exceed expectations. Now, uh, there's some good truth in it, but what about the customer that doesn't want their expectations exceeded? Uh, what, what about the customer that's happy with the current mile, not the extra mile? Uh, in, in COVID, um, when we're told you've got to get into a supermarket and get out, is that the time to go the extra mile and chat for another half an hour? No, it's not. And that's where these cliche sayings, I, I think, can be very misunderstood that, you know, yeah, we want to personalise things and do all that sort of stuff and, you know, the high-end stuff. But at the same note, you know, if that individual customer just wants to walk in and walk out and you can read, and I know I'm talking very retail-focused now, but you can read that this person's looking at their watch, you know, they've yeah. got a baby in their arm, maybe like me and my wife when we go shopping now and, and, and things like that, I guess then the, the staff member has to read that customer and say, well, okay, for this customer, we're not going to talk a lot longer. You know, we're going to yeah. keep it brief. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And that happens a lot, even in the sort of more personal services realm where it's, um, you know, closer contact, like a hairdresser or, mm. or something like that. Yeah. You know, sometimes you do want to chat and other times you maybe have to do some work and other times you just want to chill and shut mm. your eyes, <laughs> wake mm. up and your hair's very different to what you anticipated. <laughs> But yeah, absolutely. So I think that's, that's almost that very much a deeper level, isn't it? And, and really using your intuition and your gut instinct with people as well. But I imagine on a larger scale, when you're with companies, systems like, you know, having systems to track, mm -hmm. um, you know, information and results and things like that. Is that something you get involved with? Um, well, from, a, from an IT perspective, no. But again, if the systems are useful to yeah. help help you, um, go ahead. Uh, but I never say get a CRM to have a CRM or to have a CRM. Um, or actually, no, let's not even talk CRM. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's do something that everyone can relate to. Customer service survey. 
Yes. If you go do a survey, um, do you read the responses firstly? You know, does the survey ask 400 questions, but it, it, it's it's not really relevant or, or whatever, you know? So start too invasive. Like, Some of them are so invasive, aren't exactly. they? Exactly. So if yeah. you're going to use it um, and it's going to be useful to the business, then go right ahead. Um, but, um, you know, I mean, the Ritz-Carlton global hotel chain, I mean, they have a CRM system that captures, for instance, that if I go and stay at a Ritz-Carlton in um, Dubai and order this type of beer, uh, that type of beer will be offered to me when I stay at the Ritz-Carlton in Miami, so to yeah, speak. Amazing. Um, you know, when I, where I leave my window shades in my room, um, the, my room will have the setting of those window shades in the next place, you know? So that's, you know, really great and really useful, um, you know, for that sort of hotel and for that sort of um, impact. So um, as long as, yeah, it definitely it, use it, but as long as it does make a difference. Yeah, and that's almost a segue to, you know, using your intuition, reading the customer, but also using the kind of interface with um, bots and AI and all of those other things that, that you know, can um, make I, that I easier. Know, I know, Ed, particularly focusing on online and, and all of that, I just want to say, um, and I'm, I don't want to be too provocative, but I, I want to put it out there. Um, someone asked me once recently, are chatbots better than humans? <laughs> and my response, my response was actually yes. And I'll tell you why. If you, if you write something in a chat, bot, chat box um, and, you, and the algorithms are designed to uh, pick up words and empathy and whatever and, and help escalate stuff a certain way, you could take those same words and go and speak to a person and you can, you can, you've been there before you could witness those words you say just gloss Watch over. over. Yeah, yep, yep. And that's a probably a good example where communication and empathy in service training is relevant. I, I never said it wasn't relevant. I just no, no. It, wasn't, it wasn't all that. But, but I guess that's my point that if I can get a computer system that can, can understand my emotions and escalate something accordingly, but a live person doesn't, well, then the computer is better. If I can get an, a, a social media um, officer on Twitter of a company to respond to my inquiry quicker than a response that I'll get in person, it's like the better service online actually wastes your frontline team and it wastes them in a very bad way. It's, it's, not, it's not good. And that's why I just wanted to be clear that service is that it's not just face to face it's also online and, oh, and big one fun. can't be better than the other I, I know sometimes they say if you want it resolved quicker of course go online and things like that but but I guess you, you can't have staff that are just wasted because at the end of the day a lot of the interactions that many organizations have now because a lot of stuff is automated a lot of the interactions face to face are, are often complaints or, or often give me help because I've tried this and it doesn't work. So yeah, yeah, we've really yeah. got to make sure that the, the online help or the face-to-face -face help is as good as online. Yeah. Yeah. My personal belief is service and experience should be platform agnostic. Um, whether someone has, they're standing in front of you, whether they're on the phone, whether they're typing you an email, whether they're using a chat bot, they, the same feeling and experience should be felt in a different way, obviously, but the whole core of what that business is doing should uh, should be felt through the processes that the customer is interacting with. 
Absolutely. And I think the training that comes down. So if you don't train your staff correctly on how to provide that experience, just as if you don't train the chatbot to do the same thing and program it, it's the same thing. You can have a crappy experience on either. So it does come down to how well the company understands their customer and how they're trying to make their experience the best. And then that was going to reflect on what is actually trained. Absolutely. And also you mentioned the word experience and I just wanted to add that um, I don't, I'm going to guess at the percentage, but I know it's, it would be high, but most of the customer experience, the overall experience is driven by service of some kind. Yeah. Um, you know, the classic analogy of, of, of a restaurant owner I spoke to and they said, look, we don't need customer service training. We need customer experience training because um, everything's about the experience. Um, we want our restaurant to be known as the, the, the quick restaurant. We don't want to be a slow restaurant. And I said, well, just think about this for a second. Just think about it, right? You want to be a quick restaurant. You've got to be greeted promptly. Okay, what's that? Service. You've got to be seated promptly. What's that? Service. You've got to be giving yep. your menus promptly. What's that? Service. You've got to get your glass of water poured promptly. That's service. You've got to get checked in on. That's service. The, you know, the, the waiter's got to relay the order correctly and quickly. That's service. The, the chef's got to... So all of these actions that create this quick experience or this seamless experience come down to individual acts of service. So service drives i i, I guess 90 90 to 95 oh. of the overall experience yeah yeah. yeah yeah and it's interesting i mean lois and i come from a strong customer service background as well um and i think we're both lucky because we came from a, a retail experience uh, background as teenagers lois worked at treasure way uh, which is a which is a clothing and um, it was yes yeah was yeah <laughs> was no, yeah, was, was. no it's, yeah, it's okay is, Chris we'll gloss over that <laughs> for people who are in another country or who are young uh, yeah it's it was clothing and and uh, linen and yeah so like a family were. clothing store oh. yeah anyway it was popular back in the eighties uh, but doesn't exist anymore but it was it was you know front facing customer service retail and I worked for Kmart and pretty much everybody knows who Kmart is, whether it's in Australia or the U S it's a well-known retail brand. And it was all very much about the customer service and making sure the customer got what they wanted. And um, so I think as young people, it was great to sort of get some training around that and um, experience it. And I think it's very obvious to Lois and I, when we're out and about, when we're out and about uh, what actually stands out as a, a great experience, but it's always backed by the customer service aspect. Absolutely. So, and can I yeah. just say that, you know, I mean, I know every industry, you know, I could say one thing and you, and someone watching this might have a horrid example at a Kmart store, but, but yep. what's interesting is, is Kmart, um, Firstly, I think I think there's this the whole Marie Kondo stuff of organising and buying stuff. You know, it's Kmart has seen a great surge in terms of where they are in the market, and um, a lot of the staff, from what I've seen, are, are pretty good at Kmart stores. But what's really interesting is people will say, um, with low price, do not get service. But when you actually compare companies like um, What's the opposite of Kmart? I think it's Adairs as an example. This has a lot of homewares, but it's very high level. Um, both companies, both Kmart and Adairs, have continued to grow together. 
or Howard mm. Storage World, I think is another example that they're, they're businesses that have their marketplace and you can still get great service at the lower end, but just as great service at the higher end as well. So um, it's not about budget versus full service. Um, service is the same regardless. Yeah, yeah. I think service is better than self-service in my book. So when I go into these stores, if I, if I can resist um, the self-checkout, I know some of them you don't have a choice anymore, but I just want to give someone some work. <laughs> Real person. So that, yeah. It's about choice. and, and you It know, is about right. choice. But what's interesting is when I, I'll just, if I can, I don't rant often, but I'll just give one. When I go to Woolworths and use a self-service checkout, I, I buy, you know, the, the re- replaceable shaver cartridges. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like $30. So they have the security tag on them. Oh. And I, I go there knowing that that red light's going to start flashing. And there's that person sitting, standing there on the anti-fatigue mat in that little square. Yeah. And I know that my light's going to buzz. And I, I watch that person as I walk up to the counter and this is kind of what I see. <laughs> and I, I sort of... Looking around, looking around. I, <laughs> and, and I walk past and someone's even just stare. And I think that, you know, it's, it's a touch point to say, hey, goodbye, see you later. And that is an example, if done poorly, of, of a person being wasted, of yeah, a person yeah. being wasted that, you know, yeah, I've got the choice to use self-service. I'm happy to use self-service, but I, I might need help. And even if I don't need help, I just might need a, a hello or a goodbye or, or even a smile. And there's your basics that we talked about yeah, before, how absolutely. relevant yeah. they are. Yeah. In that point. So and even anticipating needs of seeing you and seeing what you've got oh, and thinking that's going to yeah. need. I've come attention. in. I've come in at eight fifty five PM when there's no one in the store and I've been I've I've done this. I've walked to the to the self service with my, you know, Gillette razors and I've seen the person on the mat go, I might go and collect some baskets at this point and just, just walk off and start collecting baskets for the nine PM close. Right. And Oh, it just, it, it's, it's an interesting thing just mm. and not to, have to be so critical, but it's just a, an opportunity that I think supermarkets yeah. and, and their direct line managers, they can yeah. make a huge difference if they just focus on just that one thing. And there are so many opportunities. I'm sure everyone listening in or watching is also thinking, oh, maybe I could do that better or in my business or service or rapport building with other people even. So no, that's great, Chris. There's some mm. gold there. So who, who is it that uh, you mainly work with, Chris? What sort of businesses, clients do you want to attract to, yeah, to speak I, to? Look, it's interesting because I'll give you a quick answer, but I, but I, I predominantly, I don't really do a lot of work in the retail, tourism and hospitality industries, which mm-hmm. you might be thinking, shock, what, what, why not? And I ask the same question, why not? And I think um, to, to, to sort of, if anyone from those industries are, are listening and I could just speak from my heart, I think um, some of those industries feel that, well, you know, the staff are transient. Yeah, we're open 24-7 or we're open seven days a week. We just can't possibly be, be focusing on service. And, and as a result, I don't do much work in that, in that industry. I, I think it's right. very challenging to... To, to, to get those businesses, retail, tourism, hospitality, to really focus on service, especially at a time like now. Um, so typically I'll work uh, in, in, in a lot of the corporate space, local governments. But then again, local government's a great example because you, you know, you're, you're one up from the ratepayers. And I love that, how your focus is on serving 
rate payers. So, you know, local governments can even be corporate offices, um, mm -hmm. you know, aged and disability care uh, is another big one, um, especially it, yeah. with the whole um, NDIS and all of that. So they're the industries that I typically work for. I'd say local government and, and, and uh, aged care, but also um, anyone in business typically at the leadership level. So I work well yeah. with leaders and HR teams because you can go blue in the face training someone on the front line. And it goes back to what we said earlier about, you know, smiling and eye contact, but it really is all about the, the frontline leaders um, or the upper management, but also the human resource teams mm -hmm. that have to work in unison to deploy programs or deploy a culture of service excellence across an organization. So I, I enjoy working with the larger organizations that have sort of a, a good level of managers that can really, we can really make some change. But having said that, I've worked with um, uh, earlier this year, a business of five people um, and a family business. And it was um, again, just as relevant. Yeah. Cause we don't always see, you know, we're too close to our own stuff, aren't we? So you're able to go in and do a whole diagnostic and look at everything and yeah. and help That's you. right. And, and I think, you know, if I sort of could give a, well, a tiny plug of how, or what I do, or, you know, whatever it's, 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 um, as I said, service is not a, a hard and fast rule um, every time, but what I have developed and I've got a, a sort of a, a structure in place um, and a, a sort of a sequence that I can take people through um, a program that I offer and it really just helps unlock their minds to, okay, I've got all that and now I know how to get out there and serve. And if everyone gets it, um, sky's the limit, you know? Fantastic. And how can people access that, Chris? Well, um, so by the time, well, actually, no, if uh, I'm always open for a chat, my email has changed and, and, and works now. So anyone can email me, uh, chris at chrissmoyer.com. Um, I'm sure Ed or Lois, you'll pop that in the- Ed, we'll be we'll, doing the show notes. We'll be doing all that. We, we will, will, we will. We will. Um, and the website when it does go live will be chrissmoyer.com, um, all one word. Um, but that's always uh, easiest to get in touch with me and um, yeah, always happy to have a, have a conversation. Um, and especially during this time, you know, going back to that coffee example, you know, if anyone has any burning questions or anything that they, that they would like to know about, you know, what could they be doing better in this time, hit me up and I'll uh, be more than happy to share uh, whatever wisdom I, I, I can. Fantastic. Super duper. Well, thanks again for coming on the show, mate. It's been great catching up again. Um, yeah. One of the most important topics uh, in business, I think, is customer service and experience. Uh, it can make or break you, ultimately. And uh, Chris is the man. So uh, hit him up. Uh, leave some comments on whatever platform you're listening to or watching this on. And um, it's been, been great having you on. Thanks, Lo, for your wisdom from career thank wisdom and thanks chris for your wisdom too thank you Ed. yes and los um oh i can call you low now can't i because you can call uh, me low, yeah, cool. Cool, low. <laughs> ed that's what low. i do hey low well, I'm not gonna, I, I wouldn't call you lois and ed edward so ed and Lo, uh, it's, oh don't uh, call yeah, him no. edward you'll get in trouble no, no, but it's been a, a real pleasure and anytime um you ever want to chat again i, I just love we'd to, love to because i love chatting to you guys Awesome. awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks, mate. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Have a Ciao. great time. See ya. <laughs>